0: This morning, on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy...
1: Hey, Welcome in. Happy Thursday. One day closer to the weekend. Hours closer to bad football tonight, but hours closer to Saturday and Sunday full slate. We'll dive into it here. Hanging out with you. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton producing today's effort. And as always on this Thursday, hanging out with you in the drivehubler.com studios. A busy, busy show. At 7.30, Mark and I will leave the studio and uh, Pete Sampson. Will join us talking Notre Dame football. We'll get the hell out of the way Come to, like on, baby. K- to let to let KB do
2: his thing. You just send me a text when you guys are wrapping up. Kev.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, well, I'll be out there with you. So mm-hmm. send a, a little group mm-hmm. message yeah. text.
2: We'll, we'll uh, ask for the I, check at the restaurant after we get breakfast.
3: Typically, I like to shower after a Pete Sampson segment. Is that all right? Well, isn't there a shower in the basement? There yeah. is. Yeah, uh-huh. shower
1: and a sauna. Yeah, two showers actually. Yeah. There, there's a basement. sauna in a in a in a radio station cluster. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. Is oh, that oh, yeah. that doesn't seem to fit the mold. Know. Yeah. Uh, James Boyd will join us. We'll talk some Ravens football, obviously. Anthony Richardson not out there in practice. Fellas, good morning. How's everybody doing?
3: Um... If you are a fan of the Indianapolis Colts, you
1: wake up this morning and say, "At least I'm not a fan of the Chicago yeah. Bears," right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. I was Week One, and Mark is Week Three now of the NFL season. At least you're the Colts. If you're a Colts <sighs> fan, you're not you're not the Jets, and you're not the Bears, and you're not the Giants, and you're not the Texans, and you're not a, a number of bad teams in yeah. the NFL. I was I, looking
2: for the best bourbon I had le- yesterday
1: yeah. after reading Ooh. all the stuff that was going on with the Bears. I'm like, what, what, what are we? What, it Did feels you, like it's been a full season already, and we're in Week Three. Did you find it? Did you find that bourbon? Yes, yes, I did. What'd you go with? If you don't mind uh, me
2: asking. Some Blantons. Oh, boy. You okay. were messing around, okay. man.
1: Okay, Mark there Dixon. we go. I guess it was a hell- hellacious oh day for the band. I was not expecting
3: that. I was going to come over and give you a hug, but I guess Blantons <laughs> did that for you last night. He had a good
1: night's sleep, didn't he? Gosh, he, he looks, did. He, he looks well-rested this morning. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> wild yesterday,
3: following it from afar. Ooh. The Justin Fields comments, feeling the need to, I guess take slash take back maybe give a new message to those comments <laughs> clarify i guess uh, clarify that was the word i was looking for uh the Allen williams story i i will wait for credible mm-hmm. reporting before i comment any further but the let's just hope the rumors are not not true uh just wild wild then obviously you've got the kansas city chiefs Waiting on Sunday. Shout out to Jimmy. He tweets at us here. I'm driving from Tampa to Memphis to move for good. Listening to the show live to get me through. Memphis, Tennessee? The next 12 hours, I believe. Memphis, Tennessee. Says he's got his cats meowing. So this is... We are the sound over the cats meowing, it sounds Can like. Can we soothe the kitty cats? Is that what he hopes we do for I, the next several hours? I guess that is the goal from us here <laughs> on this Thursday morning. Uh, certainly, the news items from yesterday, Colts related. Anthony Richardson did not practice. Ryan Kelly did not practice. Anthony Richardson was present at practice. And as I've said all week long, Andy, I think there are some signs to where Colts fans should feel optimistic that this is not going to be a long, long stay of him being absent for, you know, multiple weeks. Again, Shaquille Leonard's missed three weeks with several, with a, two different concussions in his career. Ryan Kelly himself missed five games back a few years ago. Um, If you were really, really worried about the type of symptoms Anthony Richardson was having, you would not have him stand out and practice in 85-degree heat with the sun beating down on you for two hours. So that's another sign. Yes, he didn't practice, but that's not the most shocking thing in the world. Uh, We'll see where he's at today. And then, Andy, that's where we start getting into the if he does practice today. Is that enough reps to be cleared for Sunday? Quarterback reps. Now, I'm not talking. He can definitely pass through the concussion protocol by Sunday. He can actually do that by Saturday. But does missing yesterday, the first and second down day, the big insult day of the week, Gardner Minshew takes all the first team reps, is that enough for Shane Steichen to say, nope, uh, it's a huge week with a really stout defense and they do a lot of sophisticated things? The fact that Richardson missed one day. Does that mean Minshew gets a nod?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, listen, this is a conversation, and we knew, didn't did we know that this was what we were going to be talking about today? I mean, it's not crazy, right? Like yeah. we figured Anthony Richardson would not be out there on a Wednesday. Yeah, I would say, you know, whatever, 90 percent yeah, of guys I, do not practice. I, exactly. Percentage. I mean, that was ninety percent or above, so I'm not surprised. I guess you were holding out hope, okay? Maybe he's out there, but I think on a Wednesday, that's not crazy at all. To, to me, the Wednesday and the missing of the Wednesday doesn't bother me. What I was gonna ask you was, you know, what's the breaking point on a Thursday or this a Friday? Yeah. yeah. Now we now yeah. we get into it, uh, and that is kind of the conversation. Um, being a young player, if this were a veteran, if this were Lamar Jackson, if this were a number of veteran quarterbacks, how much would it change that conversation? And by the way, the answer might be it might not change it at all, and well, we have absolutely no idea. Andy, I also think we can take it a step forward.
3: And again, yesterday I think I labeled Wednesday as an important day, I'd label today as a vital day for him to try and clear concussion protocol and or just get enough reps to, you know, quarterback reps, starting reps, to your point, this is his third ever week practicing in the NFL during a regular season. The question that I have, big picture, the answer is easy. Big picture, you'd rather see Anthony Richardson play than Ryan Kelly, like as harsh as that sounds. Little picture, if that's such a thing. I don't think we ever said that. <laughs> little word. gas. Little L- picture. Little, yeah. little yeah. gas is 12 <laughs> hours, 13 hours from now, he's ready
1: to go. and try By the to way, cover. Nikki, Nikki loved the onesie. Oh, she good. loves that stuff. Oh, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Good. Yeah. I love that. I hope you're not yeah. lying to me. Um, I'm not lying good. to you. Good. All right. Uh, you well. don't lie to men. You, you <laughs> lie to women and children. God you don't Jesus. lie to men. <laughs> I know. If that's what we are in here. If we are men.
3: <laughs> Maddie and I look, look at each other at times like, are you going to go up? I told Rosie that you would go up and tell her one more bedtime story. Like You have to go up. We can't lie to her. I'm like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, in the little picture view looking at Sunday, is the bigger loss Ryan Kelly, though? Well, I mean, it's... Because look at the two backups. Who would be replacing each? Gardner Minshew has how many starts in the NFL? 25.
1: Minshew is so well-respected. I want to get into that in a second. Wesley French is a
3: third-string center. This is when I know that... Guys in the locker room are like, "Damn, that dude's getting a lot of media attention this week." <laughs> Yesterday, there was a you know horde of media members around Gardner Minshew. Not the most shocking thing right. in the world at all. Um, you know, no teammate really reacts. Then all of a sudden, a few minutes later the horde of media gets around Wesley French's locker. Well, you've got Eric Johnson, defensive lineman, come over, and he's taking a picture of the media scrum (laughs) around Wesley French's locker. Nothing says this is a shock to everyone like a teammate taking a picture of a media scrum around a player that I I think it's safe to say there's never been a media scrum around the locker of Wesley French. Sunday would be his first NFL start. So I think when you, again, get to the little picture, which sounds so weird for me to even say – when you get in that standpoint of it all, Andy, that's where I almost point to that being the bigger loss for Sunday. Because if you've got a third string center, first ever NFL start against this defense, Baltimore has been able to prepare all week long for that potential. Whereas Houston didn't. Ryan Kelly left at halftime of that game. And all of a sudden, you've got a running back and Zach Moss that runs a 40 yard dash that's 4 6. So what does Zach Moss do? He wants. Between the tackles, up the middle, he does, he's not bouncing stuff to the outside. Sure,
1: and you don't have a running quarterback, probably, he, maybe. You know, Richardson possibly, testing
3: yeah. the outside is probably not going to be there under this hypothetical. And obviously, you think about the domino effect of all of a sudden if interior pressure starts to rise, now your quarterback is more susceptible to hits, et cetera, et cetera. I think if we talk about just the short term, if I only care about Sunday's win loss result. I think you can make a pretty strong argument that Kelly
1: would be the bigger loss than Richardson. And Kelly wasn't out there at all, right? He was, he was not, He, yeah, he was he a was, good
3: point he was, to bring up. Yeah,
1: he was not out there in the 85 degree heat at, a, at an NFL football practice, right? Anthony Richardson was, yeah. which kind of fits the mold of Anthony Richardson, the positivity, and you've mentioned that since Monday, right? Since Monday, at least Tuesday, you've mentioned the possible positivity around the Richardson situation. We had Stephen Holder on yesterday from ESPN.com, KB, and he said the same thing. I mean, he basically was echoing the same sentiments that you had. We haven't got any of that from Ryan Kelly. I mean, Ryan Kelly's not playing on Sunday. That much is obvious, right? I mean, yeah, we I mean, can say that. I mean, come on, he's not playing.
3: If you go off history and you go off, you know, yesterday, then I think. Some well, if I had to pick
1: between those two, right? Certainly, oh yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, easy certainly. that there would be a chance uh, that Anthony Richardson would play Ryan Kelly. No, you're going to be dealing with an offensive line. I mean, Baltimore comes in with defensive questions. A lot of theirs in the defensive backfield. They've got a notable injury report. Yeah, I mean, they do. Their injury report's a bunch of good players. I mean, it's not a
3: starting quarterback. I mean, I guess it is a center. So, uh, Tyler Lindenbaum, who's a you know, pretty good center, is uh, not practicing for them. He missed last week. I mean They've got Pro Bowl dudes. Several Pro Bowl dudes on each side of the ball. Eight guys did not practice for them yesterday. Uh, several of them, again, you would place in the top ten player on their football team category. I would assume odell beckham jr on the injury report i'm gonna guess that when odell beckham goes home at night if kim kardashian is there i don't know if that's going to help his injury situation (laughs) what a story
1: from 2015 i would think some extracurricular activities in that household
3: (laughs) would maybe lead to a few more injuries Uh,
1: odell gets uh he he takes some weeks off that's me reporting odell's not playing what information do you have sweeney not much (laughs) I'm just, going, I'm just going by knowing Odell Beckham. Zay Flower's a hell of a player, though. Yeah, that, he's that been great, good, man. Yeah, he was good in college.
3: college. Yards after catch has been a huge thing for him, so he will definitely be something to keep an eye on. So we'll get into that throughout today's show. As Andy laid out for you, Pete Sampson to talk Notre Dame and Ohio State coming up at the bottom of the hour. James Boyd from The Athletic. will get his thoughts on where things stand heading into a critical practice day for Anthony Richardson and company. And then uh, Tim Barbales, who is in the Baltimore area, does some radio there. Uh, we'll get a Ravens point of view. And I also want to get to this, and almost fittingly, we had Tony East on yesterday. Yeah. And I think just kind of organically, when Tony was going through his potential starting lineup for the Pacers, uh, he alluded to Buddy Healed and mentioned him as you know, probably more of a bench guy and brought up the Kevin Pritchard quote from back in the spring, which I'd kind of forgotten about that quote. I'm glad that Tony brought that up of, you know, we love Buddy, but we also have to find a role for him in 23-24 that makes sense. That was an interesting quote you typically don't hear, Mm -hmm. I think, from people in that sort of position. Especially since the year that Buddy Heal had. It was a bit of a warning shot of, like, we really like him. Yeah, He does a lot of good for us, but... We've got some conversations that need to be had here in the offseason. And uh, Sham Sharnia, um, you know, the, the the Woj, whatever, counterpart here in the NBA, he reported yesterday that um, contract extension talks between the Pacers and Heald have stalled out and they've started dialogue to work on finding a potential trade with another team Andy, I have been a very big picture guy with the Pacers in that this is a rebuild unquestionably. Buddy Hield has always been the one for me that even though the age doesn't match up with so much else, he's the one that I feel like makes sense to keep around. He's incredibly hmm. durable. He is one of the best shooters in NBA history, frankly. NBA history. Um, and, and I just don't think you can take that stuff for granted. And that's a skill set for me that can last into his 30s. He will turn 31 here in a few months. So I'm a bit torn on this. I probably side towards keeping him. um, I understand the need to look into what a trade could be like because he is 30. uh, He is in a contract year. If you can't get to an extension where both parties are happy, I am always a fan of you need to get something in return. Mm-hmm. You're in a market where you can't just let guys walk in free agency. Right. You need to make sure that you do that. And there's part of me that looks at Buddy Heald and thinks he's still the cherry on top of that trade. I mean, Sabonis for Halliburton worked out beyond brilliantly for you. Um, so I am probably team keep healed, but I do at some point today want to get into both sides of this uh, because I thought it was some interesting news. And obviously deadlines action, we aren't really at a deadline with this. He's under contract for this coming season. Um, training camp opens up in a month or a, a week and a half, so we've got a little bit of time here. So uh, I will be. Yeah, but this uh, is something that's going to go
1: into the season, right? Uh, I, I mean, right? Think, you don't think but, it's going to get done? It's kind of like the trade stuff we talked about with the Colts. But well, do you think we have a week but, done? I don't think this is Jonathan Taylor venom here. No, I don't think so either. I think This is a little bit. He more doesn't more, want to be coming off the bench, though, right? Jo- yeah. I mean, that has to be part of it. He thinks he's a starting player. He's like, hey, I'm shooting 45% from three. I'm averaging 16, 17 points a game. I think he care. I don't know this. I would think he cared care more about the
3: multi-year extension than he would coming off the bench or not. Like, if you can give him what he wants from an extension standpoint, I, I, I think coming off the bench and you tell Buddy Heald, hey, man, go gun with the second unit, he would probably be content with that. But his relationship with Tyrese Halliburton, well-documented, on and off the floor. And I think it would be a notable loss. But there is that bird on the other shoulder. It's like. Kevin, Buddy Heild can't guard little gas, <laughs> so you know when you talk about Not to hell with
1: defense. When you talk about defensive with issues it. with this Pacers team, That's why you bring Brown in? To hell with defense. You can't get too <laughs>
3: too far. From uh, this. I
1: have a thought on Lamar Jackson. Pete Samson going to join us in about 15 minutes. I have a thought on Lamar Jackson, and then yesterday was IU media day, and I just bring it up because Mike Woodson did something that made me love Mike Woodson. Oh, okay, okay. and I, and and I think a younger. Kevin Bowen would know where I'm going. An older father of two, sports radio veteran, Colts reporter may not know where I'm going, uh, but absolutely. By the way, is this is this breaking news? The Rams traded Cam Akers to the Vikings. Was oh, that last night? Yes, that was, yes, that was yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Was, was, was that? How did I miss that? It was must have been the Bears stuff of late. It picks, must have been the Bears stuff. Probably, if I remember Boy. correctly. Cam yeah, Akers. It, it, it happened pretty much the exact time that I think all that Bears stuff was going Ca- down. Cam Akers doesn't move the needle at all, and that's surprising, giving his just natural talent. It, well, he just really doesn't. I mean, I think the torn
2: Achilles
3: is a huge, huge part of the resume that you can't ignore with him. He is Andy Sweeney. I am Kevin Bowen, and Mark Dykton weeping over there about his Bears and I guess the performance of his Cubs last Ooh. night as well. Uh, we'll break all of it down for you. It's a wake-up call. KB and Andy
1: here on 93.517.5 The Fan. 8 o'clock hour, hanging out in the drivehubler.com studios. I'm Andy Sweeney. He's Kevin Bowen. KB and Andy, The Wake Up Call. You like this song? Oh, yeah. you got a golf feel to you today. I like 21st that. 21st nights, indeed,
3: of September. Mark Dyketon. Very nice on that one. Happy early birthday to my father. He He is the 22nd. Of September, well, my dad's that. is the twenty-third. Well,
1: look at this! Really, yes. you guys, having a bunch of birthdays, a we're bunch Jones. of dad birthdays.
2: Driving up to Illinois, Shout my brothers out to are our coming down from here. Milwaukee, and we're going golfing uh, with my dad on Saturday morning. Look at
1: that I love it. That's a,
2: that's September your weekend. He's having, he's having your Mason, weekend. Mason
1: Sweeney, Max Bowen, Mr. <laughs> Dykton, Mr. Bowen. How about quite the, that? Quite the Saturday quite the Saturday lineup uh, for the show here. Reminder as well, we'll get you ready. Colts and Ravens will continue that. Uh, James Boyd going to join us in just a second. Tim Barbalace going to join us. Ravens pregame does the afternoon show there uh, for 105.7 in Baltimore. We'll talk with him coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. And then again, Colts-Ravens, that coverage on Saturday. Sunday beginning at 9 a.m. Before we get to James, you're worried about your eye. Tell the people.
3: Yeah, I just put contact solution in there from that said it expired in 2020.
1: <laughs> was that yours or is that something you found around the uh, offices it here? It's something I found in the medicine uh,
3: cabinet in the, uh, in the break room. I didn't
1: know we had a medicine cabinet, so yeah. you had to show me where that's so at. So my eye falls out due to COVID or whatever. Just let That'd me know. A, okay? yeah, a pending lawsuit mm-hmm. uh, from the Bowen family. Uh, well, let's get James up here from The Athletic. James Boyd, obviously, following Uh, The Colts, first of all, James, thanks for filling in as my wife went into labor last week. Thanks, (laughs) Thanks for getting up and setting those alarms, buddy. How are you, man?
4: I'm doing good. It was no big deal. Obviously, I think you know, childbirth is a lot more uh, difficult than getting up early. So, no worries. <laughs> yeah,
1: I would, I would, I, w- I would say so. No uh, truer statement yeah, has ever been. Childbirth made. trumped, uh, you know, uh, offensive line talk on a Wednesday. Uh, y- <laughs> there <you> yes, go. <laughs> y- y- yes, it did. Uh, well, James, let- let's let's dive into it. I mean, there is a, a possibility. Some may call it a probability. The Gardner Minshew going to be starting the game on Sunday. I guess. How did you view this game? Uh, when you thought Anthony Richardson was going to be in there? And how do you view the game differently now that there is a, uh, you know, there's a pretty good chance maybe that, that Minshew is the starter coming up on Sunday there in Baltimore?
4: I think either way, it was going to be a difficult task to go into Baltimore and win. But obviously the storyline was going to be Anthony Richardson looking up to Lamar Jackson, playing against Lamar Jackson. I saw some Lamar Jackson comments yesterday where he was like, man, that made me feel old. I'm only 26, (laughs) I'm not that old. But um, as I pointed out to somebody else earlier this week, when Lamar won the Heisman in 2016, I believe Anthony Richardson was a freshman in high school, so he has sort of looked up to him. So obviously if Anthony Richardson isn't available, that is a little bit disappointing, but... Long term health is the biggest reason why we're even having this discussion because that matters more than one game.
3: James, long term, the answer is pretty easy. You'd obviously rather see Anthony Richardson play than Ryan Kelly, as harsh as that sounds. It's just the reality of where those two players are at in their respective careers, the positions they play, et cetera, et cetera. In the short term, though, if we're only talking about Sunday, I think you can make a stronger case. You'd almost rather have Ryan Kelly than Anthony Richardson given what is behind the two players and the challenge with the Ravens. Agree or disagree?
4: I agree. I think the Ravens give a lot of difficult looks up front and I mean their defensive line has been pretty impressive this season so far. So, as much as we talk about Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr and the pieces they've added, Zay they Flowers the Ravens are still the Ravens. Their defense is still what kind of um, identifies them in the league, and I think that gives them a chance year in and year out.
3: Yeah, and just like kind of a domino effect, I was talking about with Andy of okay, Wesley French making his first start. All of a sudden, you know, could that injure your your your, your quarterback? Uh, things like that. Speaking of your quarterback, I know you wrote something on Gardner Minshew and just the value of him as a backup. I, I don't think Andy and I ever really got too deep into this. I don't think either of us viewed the Jets as like a realistic, whatever, trade candidate for Gardner Minshew. But if you just kind of threw out there what you think a hypothetical would w- would look like, what do you think the Colts could get if all of a sudden they felt like they were going to shop Gardner Minshew?
4: I think at minimum it has to be a third round pick. And ideally you probably want like a second round pick or something higher. But I think that a third round pick is pretty reasonable considering that Trey Lance got traded for a fourth-round pick. Joshua Dobbs got traded for, I believe, a fifth-round pick to Arizona. So, obviously, Gardner Minshew is better than those guys. And the premise of it was, okay, I hear people talking about Gardner Minshew to the Jets. First of all, the Jets do not even have their own first-round pick and their own second-round pick right now. It's all kind of tied up with the Aaron Rodgers trade. But I was like, let's explore what it would mean, what it would take, and have some fun. So I got a bunch of mean comments where they're like, we're not doing this. This is dumb. This is stupid. Wasting your time. And I'm like, this is where, you know, you have to understand my job. You know, I can't write stuff that doesn't get clicked on. So I did, I will say this, if you click on the article, it is not, you know, the first thing in the article It's really just laying out how good of a, backup that Gardner Minshew is and how he's sort of been a fringe starter, you know, per se throughout his career.
1: Yeah, he has. I mean, listen, I, I, yeah, it, you know, it's also what like a Wednesday. It's the middle of the week, James. I mean, people need to give you a break. You got to write about something. I mean, it, come on, it's, a, it's a Wednesday. It's a hump day. What are we doing? Yeah, I, see, I'm very much one of those. It's one of the better pickups that Ballard has had, right? I mean, the it's not over. Like, you can stay in games. You can win games if Anthony Richardson isn't there. I think or, you re-sign him for multiple years. I, 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 listen, I mean, I'm with that, you. That, to me, kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, listen, I'm totally with you. Okay, so James Boyd, with us here on The Fan. Uh... Anthony Richardson changing his style of play. You draft him, you know he can run, you know what he is dynamic at. Sure, as he develops, much like a Lamar Jackson, you want him better at throwing the football, staying in the pocket, whatever it may be, but you can't neuter him. You gotta let him ball. You gotta let him do his thing. I tend to think this is as much of a Shane Steichen conversation as it is a Anthony Richardson changing his style. Uh, Yes, even against Houston, the injury happened on a beautifully designed play. It wasn't him scrambling for his life? So that entire conversation, Anthony Richardson protecting himself, uh, you know, uh, altering maybe a couple of the things that they do. Where do you come down on that entire conversation?
4: I think it is personal account- accountability, and I think I called it, you know, tactical or strategic selfishness. He has to be selfish. He views himself as an average guy in the sense of, you know, he's a special talent, but he, he views himself as one of the guys, that you're not one of the guys. As, you know, Michael Huffington Jr. said last week in the locker room after the game, he was like, yeah, you can't really run like me. He said his tongue-in-cheek, but he was kind of serious. You know, hey, you can't run like me when the whole franchise is depending on you. And that's the truth. And so I think that it comes down to him being more self-aware because I think the hit – and we haven't talked to Anthony, but we, we kind of put it together with other players and coaches on the staff. You know, Jim Jim Bob Kuda kinda alluded to it, you know, saying that he has to finish the play. I think he eased up just thinking that he could just coast into the mm-hmm. end zone, but you can't do that. Everyone poses right. in the NFL. So take care of yourself because again, you mean so much to this team and he was on his way to a great, great game. I mean, he had two touchdowns and eighteen snaps.
1: <laughs> yeah,
4: James, I was good. You know,
1: what I said earlier this week is if he If he plays that entire game... He accounts for, what, four touchdowns or something in that game? And if so, the conversation around him versus Lamar Jackson this week is one of the top stories in the NFL. You know, uh, you know, besides Justin Fields and the Bears being a mess, maybe the Nick Chubb injury on Monday, it would be one of the top three, four stories in the NFL it would be, hey, Colts and Anthony Richardson, look what he's done the first couple weeks versus Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, is completing 75% of his passes right now.
4: Absolutely, and I think Lamar has been really good this season. Obviously, he's healthy. Um, the key for him is to stay healthy. So that'll be a conversation that I'll have, you know, to, to kind of look into just research wise. Okay, how's Lamar stayed healthy or not stayed healthy? Because he hasn't played more than twelve games since twenty twenty, and so you look at these guys who are very dynamic athletes, but you can't depend on them to, you know, be Superman and be invincible. Even Anthony Richardson, he's a big, huge dude, and he looks like he will never ever ever get hurt. But that's not been the case dating back to high school. He's had his injuries that have put him out for an extended period of time. So, again, I think this is his biggest wake-up call because I know it hurt him to miss that game physically and mentally. So, you know, again, if you're not going to learn from this, then what are you going to learn from? I expect him to learn from this, bounce back, and um, even if it isn't this week, just get healthy and, and continue what has been, in my opinion, a very good and promising start to his rookie season and probably better than I thought it would be.
3: James, I, I apologize for even like asking you to like predict statuses of people with concussions because there's just so much unknown with it. Um, but I guess kind of going off the QB rep side of the question, and obviously Shane Steichen was extremely noncommittal in, in, in any sort of questions in regards to that. We know Anthony Richardson has missed the first day. That's first and second down yesterday's practice. If he practices today, do you think that's enough for him to play on Sunday? Not even concussion protocol-wise, more of the amount of practice time he would get?
4: Oh, I, I think so. But if I'm – I would have to really, really sit down with him, the doctors, and obviously if he gets cleared and go over just what we're doing because I, I think that it's, it's not really worth it. If I had to pick, I would say, hey, Ryan Kelly, you know, Anthony Richardson, you know, you take a beat and we'll, we'll see you, you know, hopefully next week against, you know, what was it, the Rams? And so that would be my choice, my decision. So we'll see. But I don't think it's a huge deal that he missed the earliest practice in the week. Um, I do think that if there's anybody who can scheme up some things and get you up to speed, it is Shane Steichen. But we'll kind of see how it goes. Now, it was promising that Anthony Richardson was at least out at practice and out in the sun with loud music and other things. And it seemed like he was fine. And it was hot out there yesterday. Yeah, both Ryan Kelly, you know, no sight of him. And as you pointed out, I believe in your story, KB, from yesterday or the day before, He missed a lot of time with his first, or not first concussion, but his most recent concussion before this one where he missed five games. So, you know, that's concerning. And we don't even know for certain when his injury occurs. So that is a bit alarming as well.
1: James Boyd hanging out with us from The Athletic. He's on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Uh, so Anthony Richardson, even though he left the game before halftime, uh, was second on the team last week in Houston with carries. He had three. Minshew had two. And we know Zach Moss had 18. And Zach Moss played, And what, what was it KB? Every offensive stat but one on Sunday. So I'm expecting Zach Moss, of course, to have uh, to carry much of the load. But if Anthony Richardson doesn't play, who do you think is second in carries for the Colts? Is it Minshew? Is it Deion Jackson? Does somebody else get into the game?
4: Oh, my goodness. That is the money question. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't look good behind Zach Moss, and I honestly don't think that this ground game is going to be very good even with Zach Moss, because they're going to make it very difficult for you to run it. But, I mean, without Anthony Richardson being that threat, that dual threat guy, um, I don't know, man. I mean, I know they have... Well, who is it, um, KB, that they signed who was the former third-round Trace Trey coach? Sermon. Trey um, Sermon, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Trey Sermon. He, he could be an option, but, I mean, he's, he's been here for a couple of days. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> look good and that leads more so into our questions, which I know Shane Sykin really loves, um, what's on, going on with JT. Because we're getting to that point now where You know, yes, Zach Moss got you out of a bind against lowly Houston, but these are the Ravens, and then that's not going to work. And then next week against the Rams, you're going to run it 25 times with, you know, Aaron Donald right there. I don't know if that's going to be a valuable or a viable option.
3: All right, James, last one for me, shifting gears. And obviously you are a big fan of uh, the NBA and you covered the Pacers. So um, I, I did want to give you a chance and uh, enjoy your insight. Uh, Buddy Heald, uh, what do you think? Are you are, are you team trade, team retain and extend? Where are you at on the uh, Buddy Heald uh, conversation from yesterday with Shams is saying the Pacers offer, offered an extension, he didn't love it, and now there could be some trade talks on the table.
4: Yeah, Sean's my coworker didn't give me a heads up, so I didn't appreciate <laughs> that. But, uh, well, no, I think, I think it's a, a big boy decision. Obviously, if you can't come to an agreement, you know, he's on an expiring contract, making $19 million a year. If he, if he doesn't want to take a pay cut or take less money to stay in Indiana, then you move him for something that you think is valuable and, you know, get some draft capital in return or get a nice young player in return, someone who has some years left on his deal, because I mean, big picture wise, You want to do whatever you can to keep your young core together, which is Halliburton, which is, you know, Benedict Mather and Jairus Walker. And then obviously Miles is there too. So you keep those guys and you build around them and and hope to make a playoff push without Buddy. And then for Buddy, you know, he hasn't played in the playoffs in his career. So I'm hoping he can go somewhere and have that experience because he is legitimately – One of the best three-point shooters ever. I mean, he takes eight attempts a game and makes 40% of his threes. So he's a great, great player.
3: Yeah, last year he was 40, I want to say 42%. um, Almost a career high for him from three. The volume uh, certainly is always high, but the percentage pretty high as well. All right, James, appreciate the time on this Thursday morning. Echo what Andy said. Really enjoyed you uh, coming out of the bullpen and being willing to do it. uh, Appreciate uh, it. Our couple of shows last week. So thank you for that, and we will
1: see you in a bit
4: appreciate that i gotta get the era
1: down next time it's such a stereotypical song and it's what kb wanted it's not what mark wanted no
2: it's not what i want I this, this is an alternate song
1: staple in notre dame
3: stadium uh, I and you will hear is. that a lot coming up on saturday i night. know it is do you want to do you want us to leave you want us to stay mark what song were you going to play there <laughs>
1: yeah, oh boy. Yeah. Well, it's awkward. That was my choice, and Kevin's like, "Could, could you play Dropkick Murphys?" I'm like, I, got, okay. I, got, I got. I got to be honest, man. Mark won this this debate. I, I think know. his song would have been a better choice. That's fair. um He's one of my favorites. I'll try to be politically correct
3: in my description of him. He is Pete Sampson from the Athletic. What's he up, Joins Pete? us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Pete, uh, always enjoy your coverage, to say the least. Thank you for the time this morning.
0: Uh, it's good to be with you guys. It's uh, a fun week around here.
3: Biggest home game since Bush-Push?
0: Yeah, it's got a chance. Um, I, you know, it's like the Bush-Push game was big before it started and then got epic when it ended. So if this game has some similar flow to that, then, yeah, I, I think you're, you're sort of jumping any Michigan, Clemson, Georgia games in the line of, like, biggest home game since.
3: You know, When we had you on before the start of the season, I think I expressed to you some optimism. Quarterback-related, I can't recall the last time Notre Dame has entered a game of this magnitude. You feel better about Notre Dame's quarterback than Ohio State's, and frankly, I think you got the best quarterback-running-back combo in college football. It, but I feel like my concern, Pete, for Saturday, obviously Ohio State's wideout speak for itself, but when I think of Notre Dame and why they've had success over the last decade, it's trench play. But I, I, I just have a little uneasy feeling there Offensive line, defensive line, can they do enough? Should my uneasiness be there, or do you think that's a little overblown?
0: No, I think you're you're half right on Notre Dame's offensive line. That's that's the match, and it's weird to say it based on how Notre has been built over the last twenty years. But like, that's the position I feel like I've got the most questions about, um, and it's it's the shortest path from A to Sam Hartman. Um, so that's. If you give Sam Hartman time, I think we've all seen what he can do. Um, but no quarterback's going to look good when they have a 300-pound defensive tackle on their face, and that's, that's my concern on Saturday night, that they're, they're not going to be able to keep Sam Hartman as clean as they should.
1: Well, that was going to be my follow-up, and Pete Sampson joining us here on a Thursday on the fan. Uh, if they, if, if Notre Dame wins, is it because of Hartman, and if they lose, is it because they can't protect Hartman? That was basically where I was going to go. If they win on Saturday, how do you think it looks? If they lose on Saturday, how do you think it looks?
0: You know, I, I think it's going to look similar either way. I, I don't expect either team to run away from the other. Um, you know, because, I mean, Ohio State has a bunch of offensive line questions, too, which is... Well, I think this will be probably lower scoring um, you know, than you know, a, a shootout would, would play out. So it's, I think if Notre Dame loses, you know, it, it comes down to the quarterback play where they didn't have the advantage that they needed. You know, Sam Hartman get pressure, uh, whether it's sacks or you know, his first pick of the season. Um, that, that would be the – I don't think Ohio State's just going to blow Notre Dame off the field with their past game. Uh, they didn't last year. Their quarterback is a lot worse than a top ten pick, so I don't I don't know why that would happen now. Uh, so to me, it's it's if Notre Dame's offensive line plays great, Notre Dame will win. If they play poorly, they'll lose. Um, probably be somewhere in the middle, but uh, yeah, that's that's the matchup to watch for me.
3: He is Pete Sampson. He is from the Athletic. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, and I enjoy his coverage, uh, Pete. This is Pessimistic Fan Question on September 21st, so I apologize for that. If Notre Dame loses, can they still make the playoff?
0: Um, probably not, based on the fact that they, they never would have made it 11-1 before. But, I mean, USC, if, if USC goes 12-1 and wins the Pac-12 and Notre Dame is their only loss, then yeah, then... But it's like... I think at the beginning the season I was I would have had more confidence in saying yes to this answer because I thought Clemson was going to be better. Um, Clemson I think is just is just good opposed to a, like a marquee great win if Notre Dame goes down there and gets that. So it's doubtful, but uh, I mean they'll be in contention, especially if it's uh, you know twenty eight twenty four Notre Dame loses. Um, Notre Dame will still be in the playoff mix. I think it just will be tough to get over the line at the end.
3: You surprised by, by I think three and a half point favorite Ohio State. Obviously, the start of the season for those crazy enough to look at those lines. I'm surprised by H- it. Hand raised. It was much much yeah. higher. So it certainly has uh, come down. I think the latest had Ohio State at minus three. Are you surprised by that? Uh,
0: not really. Just I I think it has to do with Hartman because um, I mean Notre Dame hasn't looked like this in offense in forever. They've never scored 40 points in each of their first four games of a season, like in the history of the program. So it's they're doing things offensively that they haven't done in the past. I realize they haven't faced a ton of great competition, but nobody has. And they're first in the country in pass efficiency defense. They're top 10 in yards per play allowed. So, I mean, they they look like a great team. Um, You know, I think last year they... They were kind of one-handed. I mean, they, they could run the ball, but they couldn't throw it. Their defense was pretty good, and they went in that game as uh, two touchdown underdogs. Um, I think three, three-and-a-half sounds about right for Saturday night because I, I, if you're a Notre Dame person, you kind of feel like the team is built to, to win this kind of game for the first time in a while. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think a, a field goal spread sounds about right to me.
1: Pete Sampson with us here on The Fan. Uh, I remember having you on, Pete, before the season, uh, and we listed off teams that would be, you know, maybe trap games or difficult games, and you mentioned NC State, and late in that game, Notre Dame after the rain delays and everything else took control, and in the end, it's a three-touchdown win, 45-24, and it looks pretty good, um, but I'm interested, I-, I think Notre Dame, I'm saying this, I think Notre Dame wins on Saturday. That's why I'm asking you this question. Do you I, mean that? Yeah, uh, I do mean that. I'm pandering a little bit. There's yeah, a okay. tiny mm-hmm. amount of pandering to Pete uh, and Kevin Bowen, but I mean the other side of it is, and you know, after Ohio State, Duke could very well be a top 15 team. That's on the road. Louisville, I think October 7th. I think Louisville's looking to be maybe a back end top 25 team. It's a hell of a stretch. Uh, yeah, it's. I guess my point is, you can beat Ohio State. It's a hell of a stretch. Pittsburgh, Clemson, probably Wake Forest, not the teams they have been, especially Clemson. But you beat Ohio State. They're three. Really tough games uh, after that. If Notre Dame won this game, uh, to me, they it's a quick turnaround. Duke's not a joke. Louisville's not a joke. And obviously, everyone knows that USC is going to be a top 4, five, six team in the country.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Before the year, I thought Duke was very trappy because I didn't think uh, Duke was going to come back to earth a little bit. But they were still good. But when you beat Clemson, it's like, oh, well, okay, Duke, you got to pay attention to that. So I think Louisville sort of becomes the trap game because they're more mm-hmm. off the radar than Duke. That would be the seventh game in seven weeks. USC will be the eighth and eighth, or eighth game in eight. So it's um, you know you're going to have a little wear and tear at that point, probably. Um, Yeah, I think Louisville is probably the the more trappy game because you know trap games are the ones you don't see coming. Um, So that's you know Duke and Louisville back to back between Ohio State and USC. I mean it is a tough stretch. Um, And yeah, I think that. Getting back up after whatever happens on Saturday night, going to Duke will be a challenge. I mean, we saw what happened to Notre Dame after Ohio State last year. They lost at home to Marshall, so I think they will be they will be on guard for next week, but can you beat human nature three, four weeks in a row? That's pretty tough.
3: Pete, last one for me. I thought it was a great story you wrote earlier in the week on what uh, kind of a sad story they had to write it, but it's the reality of Notre Dame um, that you had to write about how much red will be in the building on Saturday nights. Again, it's a destination spot for a lot of fan bases. Notre Dame and Ohio State certainly is not an annual game by any uh, you know standpoint here. Um, how much red do you think will be in the building? I've always felt this. Notre Dame atmosphere on game day. Campus is beautiful. It's great. You get into that stadium, though, I I don't put it very frequently atop the list of college football atmospheres. I'd like to think Saturday night will be different, but I am nervous about the amount of red.
0: Yeah, it will be a lot less. Like my prediction, it will be a lot less than Georgia or Cincinnati. which Georgia felt like like 50%. Yeah, Georgia was bad. I mean, that was just optically bad that there was no home field advantage for Notre Dame that night. Um, You know, this one, I think the enthusiasm for this team is a lot different than it was for the Georgia game or even the Cincinnati game. I mean, or even Nebraska, if you're an old school Notre Dame fan, like there's a coach that the fan base wants to support uh, and a a team that they enjoy watching play. So – I would be shocked if there was a ton of red in the stadium. I, I think it will be more than like what you see from you know Clemson or USC, but I think it will be limited. I think Notre Dame would did a smart job doing the the green out type game because the optics of that will be better. Um, where like Notre Dame fans are wearing white, they're wearing blue, they're wearing gold, they're wearing green. Like it's kind of hard to identify what was what. So. I think there will be a decent amount of red, but it will feel like a a real home field advantage for Notre Dame because I I think the the fan base wants to really support this team and this head coach.
3: Quite possibly the biggest game in that stadium in about two decades. He is Pete Sampson from The Athletic. Outstanding coverage. Pete's podcast, The Independent, you can find as well. Pete, thank you. I know it's a crazy week for you. Appreciate you making time for us, and uh, enjoy the atmosphere
0: Saturday. Of course. Thanks, guys.
1: Yeah, been a fun show. Been a fun week of shows. We'll continue getting you ready, Colts and Ravens, on Sunday. All that pregame coverage beginning uh, at 9 a.m. And as always, hanging out in the drivehubler.com studios. Well, let's do, you know, obviously we've been talking so much this week, everything from the Colts' viewpoint. Uh, Let's dive into the Ravens. So much to talk about Lamar Jackson, the new offensive coordinator there as well. Plus, uh, I mean, I think the Ravens, I picked them to win that division, so no shock that they're. 2-0 2-0 uh, big win last week over the Bengals. Tim Barbalace joins us from 105.7, the fan Ravens pregame as well. Tim, good morning. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing fine. How about yourself?
1: Man, we're doing great getting ready for week three of uh, this great NFL season. I guess what the early returns seem to be all positive. Todd Monken takes over there as offensive coordinator. He goes from the college game in Georgia to the Ravens. I, I Just watching the Ravens, it seems to me they're a more wide-open offense, maybe more three-wide receiver sets. What are those early returns, and, and why are they so good, I guess?
2: A ton more three-wide receiver sets. Uh, they're, they're in 11 personnel a heck of a lot more than they were ever under Greg Roman, and some of that you got to give credit to Eric DaCosta, who was very aggressive this offseason in upgrading the Ravens' receiving core. Their receiving core has been one of the worst in football for years and years, and now it's one of the strengths of the team. Another first-round pick in Zay Flowers. They brought in Odell Beckham Jr. They brought in Nelson Aguilar, who had a touchdown last weekend the receiving core is a heck of a lot better and you're seeing a lot of differences with this Todd Munkin uh, offense uh, the running backs are more involved in the passing game there's more of an emphasis uh, on the screen game as well and more horizontal passing um, but Lamar look it took a half all of the Ravens starting offense did not play at all during the preseason it was an extremely ugly first half of football that uh against the Texans week one. That was essentially their preseason. Then they came out from halftime, scored two touchdowns, and Lamar Jackson was extremely efficient against the Bengals with his arm and with his legs.
3: Can Tim Barbales with us here, um, covers the Ravens for the Baltimore area, 105.7, the fan. Tim, I look at that first injury report of the week, and there are some notable names on that from afar. I was hoping you could dive a little bit deeper into, like, how notable it's Wednesday, of course, but you know, from an injury report standpoint, things can change as the week moves along. But like, I see all pro and like guys that are starters on that list. Uh, how worried are Ravens fans about some of the availability
2: of those guys? Sure. Uh, Ravens were without several starters last Sunday against the Bengals. I mean, it was an extremely gutty win against Cincinnati. They were underdogs in that game. Marcus Williams, their uh, free safety. John Harbaugh mentioned Monday that he's not going to have surgery on uh, a pec injury. I would not expect him to play this weekend. Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, they were both described as week-to-week when they both sustained knee and ankle injuries, respectively, uh, after the Texans game, I wouldn't expect them to play. Marlon Humphrey, he underwent foot surgery about a month ago. It always seemed like the target date for his return is week four. I would not expect Marlon Humphrey to play. Um, Justice Hill, we were just hearing reports, uh, turf toe, and the Ravens did sign King on Drake to their practice squad. King on Drake, of course, was a part of the Ravens last year. Odell Beckham Jr. is kind of the wild card. Um, He sustained an ankle injury Sunday against Cincinnati in the first half of that game. He was in street clothes in the second half. There have been some initial reports saying that it's not a serious injury, but I would describe his status as very much up in the air. So, it's kind of a lot more of the same with the Ravens. Uh, very banged up very early on in the season. Okay, so how
1: does that close in this game up, regardless of who the Colts have at quarterback, Tim? I mean, those are those are really good players that we're talking about on the Baltimore side. Listen, I know they draft well. They have a bunch of good players. Some of these guys may end up playing, but uh, when you guys are previewing the game from your side... I I don't know how much closer does it make it. You know, Vegas thinks it might be at least, you know, more than a touchdown. Could it close in the game with all of these guys injured?
2: I mean, I think it absolutely can close in the game. But uh, to be honest, look, we were talking all week long last week about the Ravens' decimated secondary. How are they going to stand up against that Bengals passing attack? Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase did nothing in that football game despite Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams not playing in that game. And then offensive line. The offensive line for the Ravens was horrific uh, against the Texans week one. Of course, the Colts just played them, and then they were fantastic against the Bengals without Tyler Linderbaum and Ronnie Stanley, so that was a big-time shock there. Um, But as far as losing Odell, Odell's looked very, very good uh, during training camp and had a couple of catches week one against the Texans. It looked like he was kind of primed for a bigger game against Cincinnati. He had three catches early on in that football game, but The Ravens do have the depth to kind of withstand that at the receiver position for the first time in a while. Uh, Look, does it absolutely close in the game? Sure. I mean, these are big time players for the Ravens, but I still believe they have the depth to, you know, uh, get by this week.
3: Tim, anything you can point to uh, for Lamar Jackson in such an improvement in his completion percentage? I mean, I know it's two games. We've talked about the offensive coordinator change certainly the receivers I got a little bit of a uh, facelift in the offseason but anything else you can point to and why Lamar Jackson has had a significant jump in his completion percentage
2: um I would say that this offense really hasn't tried to push the ball downfield all that much they flowers had a deep ball against Cincinnati but aside from that they, they, they haven't really gone for a lot of deep shots and Lamar is typically struggled with deep balls throughout his career. I think with Lamar this year, it's hitting the layups. I mean, it's a lot more of these screen games, intermediate passing. He's always been a great passer over the middle of the field. I think it's just more Todd Munkin setting him up for success and a big – uh, flaw for Greg Roman. I mean, he'd get eviscerated by fans and analysts uh, <laughs> yep. and Analysts about uh, route spacing and, and passing concepts to where uh, one of you said it. Uh, look, uh, wide receivers and some guys are just a heck of a lot more open than we've been accustomed to seeing.
3: Tim, I, I am maybe grasping at straws here, so apologize for that. But the Colts had a second round pick in 2019, a very high second round pick in Rock Yassine. Uh, it did not work out very well here in Indianapolis. He ultimately was traded for Yanni Kingakwe. The Colts then. Ngakwe left after a year. So, you know, I, I think you can kind of call that a bust of a pick. I know he hasn't played a ton of snaps, but with the Marlon Humphrey injury, I was kind of curious wh- what has Rocky seen been like in his first season there in Baltimore?
2: So, he got banged up during training camp, missed a lot of time, barely played in that Texans game, because at cornerback, the Ravens have been so, so deep for so many years now, but you can't really say that's the case this year. Rocky Sim was signed in May uh, to be a starter outside Marlon Humphrey, and... During training camp, he had his struggles. He absolutely did. He had a great, great, great uh, pass breakup on Jamar Chase in the end zone uh, this past week. But like I said, we just haven't seen a ton of him through two games. He he came in at the end of the Texans game, played a good bit more against Cincinnati, but it's hard to really put a label on him just because he has missed a, a decent chunk of time.
1: Tim Barbalace with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I, you know, I'm just looking, you know, watching this team, looking at the box scores. We've talked so much about Anthony Richardson running and Lamar Jackson. Uh, obviously, those two. That would be if we knew AR was playing, it'd be quite the week. Kind of leading up to to these two quarterbacks can be so dynamic. Uh, but when Dobbins went down, next man up, and we've seen the Ravens do that for so many years. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. I'm just curious. We talked about it here. Did you guys mention at all, Jonathan? Taylor and possibly trading for him when Dobbins went out
2: um we've talked a little bit about it I would be very surprised if Eric DaCosta was to make that move because as you guys know if you're a team trying to acquire Jonathan Taylor you're gonna have to come up with a bag to pay him and I just the Ravens really have not a ton of running backs over their franchise's history. Ray Rice is the last guy to get a decent Mm. bag, and that was 10-plus years ago at this point. I would be very surprised um, at this point if the Ravens were to make a move. Gus Edwards has been here since Lamar Jackson's rookie year, and quite frankly, I think he's one of the more underrated players in all football. Um, He's averaged 5.2 yards per carry for his career, over five yards per carry in each individual season. And Justice Hill is kind of really... Uh, found a role in this Todd Munkin offense is more of that passing, uh, uh, receiving back, and he's a great pass-blocking back, but his status very much up in the air for this weekend because he's he's dealing with a toe injury.
3: Tim, great stuff. Um, I think this is probably the toughest challenge the Colts will have all year long. I know there are some injuries that certainly are notable for Baltimore, but when you consider the road environment and the MVP quarterback uh, and what Baltimore does defensively, I think it'll be quite the chest for the Colts. So thank you for the time this morning uh, and enjoy Sunday and good luck to the Orioles as they make their run. (laughs) Absolutely, thanks.